welcome to episode 6 of Two Guys One Dice Cup. And the episode today is entitled Tournament Do's and Don'ts. So, as always, my name is Al Govanai Unicorn, and alongside me I have. Phil from Arash's Cairns. Yay! Welcome to episode 6. Episode 6. <laughs> this is going to be all sex. So, um, we discussed in the last episode that we were going to do a little bit of a, a standalone episode, and this is it. We're going to be talking about tournaments, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and this will help fill the bridge until we wait for season 2020 to fully arrive so that we can get back into our rookie coaches section and um, everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, there's still no uh, date attached to Blood Bowl 2020 release um, other than holidays. I mean, that, that could be any time, October, sort of neck of the woods onwards, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity for us to chat about stuff like tur- tournaments, which uh, are a good thing to go to. And something that um, I haven't gone to much at all this year. Uh, <laughs> no. we, we, all, we all know why that is, but before we fully get into that, uh, you actually managed to start something pretty cool um, for some of the local players and myself on the Fumble League. I thought you might want to have a wee quick chat about that one. Yeah, so um, I obviously can't take the credit for coming up with this in its isolation. Uh, I think uh, there's probably numerous leagues like this floating around uh, on Fumble. Um, but it was actually inspired by um, the... Um, so the Alba League, uh, which is run by Gavin and uh, and Scott uh, up in Scotland on, uh, on Fumble. Um, Scott is running a team exclusively of zombie linemen in it at the moment. And uh, he last time I checked, he was top of the league. Uh, so it so, so got me thinking, uh, how about we just do a league of full linemen? Um just, I thought that was a really great idea. Yeah, and it seems to be going all right, actually. Uh, we've, there's seven of us in the league at the moment. Um, there's a decent spread of teams. Um, not that many edge teams. I think yours is the only one that you probably say is an actual edge team, isn't it? Yeah, well, I um, was a little bit late coming to the party, but I picked the High Elves. Mm-hmm. And they, met, they met the criteria. Uh, they were 0-16 to 16 linemen which was pretty much the only criteria. Uh, I'd never played them before anywhere on any sort of format. Um, So I thought, why not go for it? I mean, we're only ever going to have linemen, so... Yeah, I think what was nice about uh, the concept is uh, you kind of create your own stars. Um, There's all these players that are going to be getting the odd stat up here and there and um, doubles and stuff, and... uh, I think that that's kind of nice because it'll all be fairly um, internalised meta uh, amongst the, the teams. Um, so it's cool. I mean, it's already started to go that way. I got a plus move on one of my Amazon line women um, last game. You, you've played, have you played two games or one? I've played two games. So I played uh, Ross Anderson. Is his name actually Ross Anderson on... Yeah, it's Ross, well. Ross Anderson, 1984. Oh, I hate that so much. Yeah, it should just be changed to Hipster Potter. And, uh, it should be just Hipster yeah. Potter, but he's got a slant team. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so well, those guys have come with leap as a as a basic skill. Um, but we, if anybody had to watch that game, it was tragic. We uh, all our positioning was wrong. It was turned into a big mishmash in the middle. Uh, I had two sets of um, double skulls uh, for my for my sins. Uh, I failed two the up passes um, with IL team. I know it's still only one lineman, but you know, give us a break. That was with one of them was with reroll. Uh, so it ended nil nil, and the only star player points that came were on my turn sixteen when I finally managed to injure one of his players. <laughs> but as luck would have it, that lineman got the MVP, so he got a skill. I gave him block. Yeah, which was just oh yeah. So into the next game was against um, Space Gandalf. Yes, uh, Kyle. Good Kyle. Kyle, and an actual good nav name. And um, he's running... He run? He's got Beastman. Ah, he's, he's got Chaos Chosen, yeah, with all That's Beastman. It, Chaos Chosen, so um, all Beastman, all with horns. Uh, I had one guy with block, and I just went to town on him. It was unbelievable. You know, he had some pretty unlucky dice rolls, a couple of misclicks, but you know that happens to everybody. But uh, the lineman that I've got with block racked up three three casualties. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me on? It's and nice. um, another couple of guys, I, I caused five casualties in the end on that game, and I managed to get one completion. So I got another another skill up, which I took block again. So. I've got my two um, my two blitzers, which will be ready for our game in a couple of weeks. I uh, we're playing uh, not this week, but the uh, the following week. Yeah, um, because there's seven of us. Obviously, there's a, it's a round robin. Uh, everybody plays everybody else, so there's a bye week for everybody, um, effectively. So my my bye week was on the first week, and I had my first game against uh, JC uh, Nafnim. Uh, he's a another Aberdeen local. And uh, it was hilarious uh, for all the wrong reasons on his uh, on his team. Uh, he took an absolute pummeling. I think um, I, I've I've gone through a, a rough patch with the chaos on BB two um, online with uh, just armor breaks left, right, and center on my team. Um, so I thought with this one, I'm going to go an armor seven team. Next, uh, we've kind of joked about that. Um, I should probably give that a try. So I chose Amazons, and uh, I had uh, zero cash against me, and I cashed two of his guys and KO'd about six uh, across the game, and so I ended up winning three 0 <laughs> So it was a it was a brutal game. Um, I think his his dice weren't particularly bad. It's just my dice were better. Um, I should have said for for the two results I had, it was the first game was a nil nil draw, which probably unfair. Uh, and the second game against the Beasts, it was just a 1-0 win for myself. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, it was it was a pretty physical physical game. And uh, one thing I should say is I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the Fumble online experience. And um, it, was, it was a bit of fun. The games flowed really quickly. So it really fit in with the sort of evening schedule that I maintain um, being a being a family man. So no, 
it's, it's been good. I'm looking forward to our game, and uh, I think we promised our audience uh, if we ever played on Fumble that we would put the information on if anybody was online to come and watch. Yeah, I think we should do that this time round um, for sure. So we'll put that up on the uh, the Facebook page when we're actually playing. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, the nice thing about this uh, league is the first kind of couple of games are just going to be people, uh, just whoever's got better position in our dice. But as soon as we've got um, a, a decent spread of skills on on linemen, um, I think it I think it might turn out quite interesting. So yeah, so it's been fun. I've enjoyed it for the same reasons as you. I mean, knocking out a game in just over an hour uh, is is pretty good, um, and and that helps, uh, like you said, with the, the whole parent and kind of side of things. You know, you're not either playing really late at night or or what have you. You, you get it done pretty easy. So, with that being said and done, we um, want to keep our rookie coaches hanging on, uh, and. There's only going to be one real big section of the podcast now, and that is discussing uh, tournaments. And before we get into it, idea we've had this idea for this podcast for quite a while, knowing that we would have to fill gaps here and there um, just to mix up our content. And it was purely going to be on what to do and what not to do at a tournament. And Phil asked me with um, writing up the show notes, which we do for every episode, just some little key pointers to keep us on track, which, believe it or not, we do use. (laughs) (laughs) When I started, sat down to write this, the first thing I wrote was, why go to a tournament and what should you expect? So before we really get into the do's and don'ts, I wanted to challenge the rookie coaches and any coach out there to really think, it's like, why are you going to a tournament? You know, you've woke up in the morning, you've got lots of painted teams and you think, I'm going to go to a tournament. It's like, why are you going and what should you expect when you get there? And when I started to write, what, is, what, what are your motivations? Are you wanting to go and have fun? That's great. Uh, when you turn up on the day, is your focus like you just truly try and win games all the time? You want to uh, just do it as a learning experience, just to chalk it down to go and say, "Yep, yeah, you know what?" Into a tournament, you no, know, it was good fun. Uh, it's not for me, uh, and that's what I wanted to have a quick discussion beforehand. Um, Phil, what what was your very first tournament for Blood Bowl? And how did you end up there? I think my first one was Bridey Bowl, uh, probably in 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, must have been about then. Um, and I think it was just, um, like, I've never been a particularly competitive person. Uh, I don't I don't enjoy necessarily the, the overly competitive side of tournaments. However, uh, it was something I'd never really done much. So I thought, well... You know, I'll. Um, um, I, I got chatting with uh, Mike Rushby up here. Um, uh, what's his last name? The Grumpy Maestro. That's right. Yeah, uh, he's. Um, uh, so he was saying, oh, he just started going to tournaments within the last couple of years, and um, 
there's a bunch of us planning going down. Do you fancy going? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. What, what's how does this all work? Um, and we had a chat about it. He talked me through the kind of basics uh, of the actual tournament itself and what was needed. And then I realized I didn't have a painted team. So, <laughs> so I then spent uh, about a month painting the team just to get uh, just to get going. Uh, but yeah, I think for me, it was more a social thing. I, I just wanted to go and have a, a laugh with uh, like people who were playing the same game as me rather than be overly competitive about it. About yourself? Well, I'd um, been to a lot of tournaments and for other games beforehand. You know, I've been a tournament player for different systems since sort of 2002, 2003. My very first Blood Bowl event was 2014 and was it 2013? Bugger. It was a it was a huge show. Um, and I think it was Euro Bowl in Austria. It was my very first actual Blood Bowl tournament. And I was roped in by the Scottish captain because they needed a player. And he knew that I played Blood Bowl uh, from our, our previous time when we were friends in Australia. And the motivation was social. And saw it as a new challenge for my painting side of things yeah i, I haven't never been to a blood bowl tournament i didn't know what the standard of painting was at a blood bowl tournament so i did my best turned up i was blown out of the water by how good they were um which was great really motivated me to up my game because obviously and for other game systems my painting was you know the top end of, of the standard that was required mm. um, to be humbled was, you know, a good thing. So I didn't really choose to go to this event. I was more corralled into it um, or focused on the social side, which was phenomenal. Um, so there was lots of, lots of alcohol was flowed and got to meet lots of great people, introduced to a new community, which I'm still in love with today, six years on. So again, seven years actually, because it was Eurobowl 2013. I'm just looking at your, your, your thing here, yeah. Thank you. Right, so Eurobowl 2013, wow. Um, yes, that makes complete sense, yeah. Yeah, Eurobowl 2013. Yeah, seven years on, it's still a community that I'm in love with. Uh, my motivation was um, fun, enjoyment and painting. Uh, so I never set out to try and win or be competitive, and I think I, I, I didn't know where you were, how you were going to answer, but I think that's the right mindset uh, a rookie coach should go to for their first event. Is yeah. Go to have fun, go to meet players, start to immerse yourself in the community, and use it as a learning experience. Yeah, I think your first um, your first tournament's always going to be a case of testing the water. I mean, if you're a really, really good player, uh, you may well do all right. But um, I think if you're going into expecting to smash everybody else out of the park in your first one, you're, you're probably going to be in for a bit of a, a kind of rough ride because uh, the, the standard's usually pretty, 
pretty good at most tournaments. Uh, if there isn't one or two players who are um, like national coach representatives, um, it's a it's a surprise, you know. It's a, there's there's some good guys in there um, at most tournaments. So yeah, I think I think realistically, you probably want to go and dip your toe in the water and and see what the social side of it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth explaining to people what the uh, um, what, what the like the NAF is because that was the thing that confused me right back at the start. Like everybody was chatting about the NAF, and I remember obviously the NAF from the lore um, of Blood Bowl. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, what, what the fuck are folk talking about here? You know, like we're, this is a book thing, you know. Uh, but then, like obviously, Mike explained it, and you you pay your yearly subscription to the NAF, and um, they act as um, like a, a repository for all um, tournament uh, results, basically, mm-hmm. and they're a ranking system. Uh, but they also, uh, outside of that, they also put a lot of effort back into the into the tournament community with support on um sort of bigger tournaments like your Eurobowls and your world cups and stuff like that so it's a, they're a massive part of, of the of the world the global um blood bowl scene but if you think of anything else that you could explain for that one uh al not hugely in that it's the act as a network for advertising and marketing events globally and they provide a benchmark for players to you know compare themselves against other players globally see how they actually are um, it's worthwhile investing the money uh, five pounds per year i believe is it yeah i think it's a fiver in the uk if you're if you're attending a tournament uh i, I don't know it's a little bit more than that if you're paying it um, yeah, but by PayPal or whatever, but yeah, coaches can figure it out, and it provides you a vehicle, um, which you can find events, find players. Uh, there's some sort of club network there as well, I'm sure, um, and it's just a, as you said, a repository for statistics as well. Yeah, which, which football players seem to love. So Another little you- thing, probably to interrupt there. I was going to just talk about the different types of events that there actually are. Yes. Yeah. You and I mentioned our first events and they are at polar opposites mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the scale and I just thought if you talk a little bit about yours I'll talk a little bit about mine and that should cover for the area quite well. Yeah so um, Bridey Bowl is um it's a, a, quite a well-established tournament. Um, I don't know how many years it's been running for, but it's definitely been on the go for a, a good, a good time. Um, and it's a well-run wee tournament. And it was one that was um, suggested as a first tournament because it's um, it's generally quite a friendly one, and the the tournament pack for it was was pretty easy going. Um, it's. Uh, it's it's a Scottish tournament, so you, you don't tend to get as many people travelling uh, from outside Scotland. Um, but it, it makes up part of the Scottish Championship, um, which is part of a wider thing for uh, for tournaments within Scotland. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's it's quite a although it's a, a smaller tournament. I think the it still gets I think it was about 30, 32 or thirty three people uh, last year. 
So it's a yeah. It's it's, it's a it's a really well attended event because it's usually one of the first in the calendar. Um, yeah, it's in March. Held, so, yeah. It's held in our broth. Our broth in March. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, usually usually it's the I think it's the second last or the last week in March. Depending you on should really talk about falls. you should really mention the trophy though. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's uh, if it's going to stand the test of time this one but it's a it's a thing called a bridey which i guess is a, a best way to describe it is a scottish cornish pasty uh, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just been spray painted gold and rammed onto a tournament thing uh well played it's it's, it's amazing been around for, it's been around for a number of years so it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a real thing but um yeah, don't don't drop it because don't, don't eat it either. It will then. not be good. <laughs> so on the opposite end of the scale, you know, I went to a, a really well attended uh, individuals local event. I thrust myself into an international team event uh, in a whole other country, and uh, blew my mind. I think that year there was maybe 26 international teams uh, of eight. And I don't remember the European being that big a year. Um, I think that was something that was still maybe in its infancy at that time. Mm -hmm. I remember that uh, the venue was like a used office tower. It was just tables as far as the eye could see. Know, meeting players from different countries, uh, different cultural backgrounds, but all spoke the universal language of "fuck, fudge, foul, go for it, pass, uh, go injury." It's the basic, um, the basic words of blood bowl were all you needed to communicate with with the player in front of you, and to be able to you know interpret their dice. So it was amazing to to communicate on that level with with people, and I guess the the spectacle of it because they had this um, area where they they collated uh, all the results mm-hmm. and it fed out onto a big screen, and it was like live um, football soccer scores that you would find on like Sky Sports, watching them all tick over, and having the uh, league table different countries seeing the nations move up and down as their results went in uh, it was just it was a real it was a real spectacle and I'd, I'd never seen um I'd never been to an international event of that level before and it was it was really mind-blowing stuff i was thoroughly impressed yeah i've since been to uh, the eurobowl in wales and the naf world cup in austria and um yeah, I, I think the magnitude of those in comparison to your average event is 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 unreal. You know, it's it's a lot to take in. Yeah, I mean, I've been to events where they've um, had their own app designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the third World Cup in Luca, its own app for uploading results, not uploading results, sorry, for looking at other teams. 
all their rosters uploaded. So when you sat down, you, you knew who you were playing. You could just look up their roster, see what was happening there. And you know, a nice, a cool local tournament with 20 players. You know, the TO will sit on his laptop and shout out the, you know, the draw, you know, Oh, you're playing Davy in table two. Go, go, go. And as at a big event, it will be big screen, missing glam, PowerPoint, uh, you know, this a stream of names and tables, and you just go for it. It's just yeah, exciting. So I guess what we were trying to get at there is once the rookie coaches have decided they want to go to a tournament, just pick, pick the type of event that you feel you want to to start with um, I, I have no thoughts on that one just go for it yeah I, I think um, don't be put off by big events either um, if, if you think you, you're kind of got options for stuff to do like the NAF championships is always a great one for a first event I think yeah and we, we talk about that a lot um, but we talk about it on every coaches section so yeah I would recommend that I suppose has been a good first first introduction yeah it's always nice to get a good uh, weekend away with the mates and stuff so yeah I, I would say go for stuff like that as well as uh, local tournaments so don't, don't just hem yourself in with that um, going abroad can be a bit more of a stretch but I mean if, if you fancy it or can tie it in with a holiday or what have you then Aye, there's nothing stopping you, really. Yeah, totally. So now that we've covered the, I suppose the why event, uh, so let's let's get down into the, the proper nuts and bolts tournament do's and don'ts. So, rookie coaches, you picked your event. So what's the first thing that you should do? Uh, I, I can't stress this as a TO any more than this read the rules pack <laughs> read it once read it twice if you've got any questions ask the TO before the tournament yes <laughs> now now Phil's approached it from TO perspective and I, I myself and Phil I, I co-TO an event with Phil and We'll we'll talk about those things in the future, but one thing that the players pack will give you is some nuts and bolts thing like how much money is it going to cost you? As in, is it you know fifteen pounds for the ticket? It's going to give me three games, four games, how many games? I don't know. Location. So you might see these um, adverts on Facebook fly up for. You know, um, oh, Lobster Bowl 2021. Oh, it sounds great. Again, not much information. Find the players back. Where is it? It's in Maine, uh, USA, right? So that's not for you. Unless you're in Maine, USA, then that's great. Uh, how many days is it? So um, Euro Bowl is two days. The World Cup goes for three days. But a nice local tournament is one day. So, players pack, and you will usually find this on the first page. Much? How many games? Where is it? And when is it? 
yeah, that's, that's, you need you need to have that locked into your brain. Aye, most uh, tournaments will have a Facebook page these days as well, which will have uh, like the the kind of crib notes and the um, about me section. Uh, but yeah, get into the nuts and bolts of the the, the rules pack itself, and um, you can get a lot of uh, information that's essential there. Um, I think we we always get a kind of flurry of people questioning things uh, with rules packs, uh, but you know, just just read them. I am um, what I did uh, in the previous episodes. I've mentioned a bolt action event that I have um, planned to run, which has sadly fallen um, due to COVID nineteen restrictions. Very very sad. Very, very sad. But right up until the death, um, I was operating on the assumption that it would all run. So I never backed off from the, the planning and the organising of it. And all the questions that I got from players about uh, rules, missions, uh, army lists, etc., I compiled all of them. Uh, and then periodically sent them out to all the players. So if, you know, Bob asked me a question about, you know, German army on page 72, blah, blah, blah. I recorded his question, recorded my answer, and then added it into this FA, the event FAQ. Yeah. And fed out to all the players so that they knew what was being asked of me and also increased my transparency. Yeah. Now, you don't, shouldn't expect that from every TO. If you are going to ask them questions, they should give you consistent answers. Yeah, I think I went off on a rant there, Phil. Sorry. <sighs> no, no, no. It's uh, it's worth kind of ironing these things out. You know, I mean, I think one of the other things that's uh, worth remembering is uh, keeping an eye on announcements on on things like the Facebook pages or um, um, talk fantasy football's uh, threads about what the uh, um, events are because um, the TO will periodically communicate with the attendees or the prospective attendees. Um, make sure you know how that is being communicated. You know, if is it, is it email? Is it going to be via posts on Facebook? Is it going to be on TFF or whatever? Um, and if the TO asks you as an attendee to do something, like submit your roster or uh, what your food yeah, choice a, is for a, a day. Pitch. Bring a pitch. Just do it. Remember Just from the World Cup, there's, each team was asked to bring four pitches mm -hmm. um, with the, the new 32 millimeter squares. Yeah. How, um, how often did we encounter teams that didn't have them? Uh, regularly. That really, really frustrated me. Um, I had to play on some really awkwardly small pitches, and that's because that team either didn't listen, didn't know, or didn't care to follow their TO's instructions. Uh, and that was to the detriment of my enjoyment and other members of the team, their enjoyment as well. Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy uh, to not sort of, you know, part of the 
community and the team to help out because you know, I really didn't like those players when I was playing them because I was annoyed at the disrespect they'd shown the event. Yeah, I think the um, the important thing is not to start off on a bad foot. You know, if it's mm. especially if it's your first tournament, um, it's likely that you'll you'll probably want to play more tournaments after it because you'll enjoy yourself. But you don't sort of make a negative impression with people that you're probably going to be playing tournaments with on a regular basis. Exactly. So uh, yeah, keep the TO on side. Um, Another hugely important part of the players pack and rookie coaches will hear us refer to it all the time when we do our rookie coaches section it's the how you select your team team mm-hmm. selection in terms of how much money do you get uh, what teams are available there are some events that don't that, that don't have all the teams playable um, some of them disregard Bretonians and corn. So you've got to keep an eye out for those and uh, the skills. Are they running a tier system? And where do you want to, to place in that? Yeah, I think it, knowing what um, um, skills you're allowed as a result of those tierings and how to build your roster, what um, money you're allowed to build that roster, whether it's a split between buying players and buying skills, that'll usually be made pretty clear in the rules pack. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I never thought that there's those tournament packs where uh, they give you extra money, but you have to spend money on skills, not just on on playing, uh, playing pieces. And you will get non-NAF registered uh, tournaments as well, so ones that um, are using... Uh, non-approved rule sets or um, sort of a bit more out there kind of uh, rosters like you get the odd thing with like secret leagues from Fumble and um, other types of things like that. Um, A lot of tournaments will give you sort of um, a localized flavor for that tournament uh, around the build uh, to set it apart from other tournaments Uh, but most follow a standard uh, kind of setup, and all of the NAF approved ones have to be okayed with NAF in advance. So they're they're usually well thought out, and they've been uh, put under scrutiny between uh, like the TO and the uh, NAF reps as well. I think it's uh, be enough for us to say that we don't really design any player pack for our event. We usually just take the pack. In terms of the information for team selection from whatever Eurobowl is doing that year, that's that's correct to say, yeah? Yeah, so we've uh, aligned with um, Eurobowl and World Cup rules packs in the past. And the reason behind that is our tournament's a two-day event and it's a good opportunity for people to practice these things uh, in advance. So uh, we, tend, we tend to give people the opportunity to do that. Um, we do have um, like a our own tournament thing with uh, the, the oil baron or the baron as he's known uh, he's a star player that uh, Grumpy Maestro made up um, and Space Gandalf built and I painted it yeah, it's a, a, a local team effort uh, so yeah it's uh, yeah, 
you, you'll find that a lot of tournaments will align with big tournaments. So I, like we talk about NAF championships all the time in our rookie coaches sections, a lot of tour- tournaments in their first year especially will uh, align with NAF champs because it's an easy, um, recognisable rule set. Um, but you do get all sorts. Yeah, I have to say for myself, I am usually put off an event if the first pack is too weird and out there. Um, I know that sounds as though I'm quite lazy, and you know, I actually might be quite lazy, but you know, player unless it's a big international one, um, I'll, I'll probably stay away from local events that are got a quirky players pack. Yeah, I, I don't mind. Never attracted me. Yeah, I don't mind the odd bit. Um, I like a bit. I like to say I like a bit of um, individuality to a tournament, but not uh, in a ridiculous hamstringing loads of teams just for the sake of it kind of way. You know, um, basic tiering and um, an an obvious way of building skills is is a good way to go. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and it's uh, they're always the easier ones to kind of um, make it accessible to new players as well. Yes, but I mean that's not to say that um, these uh, different rule sets aren't aren't good. You know, I know there's oh, and, and some out there that are good and well attended. Yeah, true, um, but that rolls back to rookie coaches when they're picking their event. Yeah, is that they are looking to do? You know these these quirky events um, you know, attract players that are really out to have fun because the players pack so out there that you can't really you know decide. Oh yeah, I'm going to this event to win. So I listen to two guys one dice cup, dark elf episode. That'll help me get ready because I'm going to take dark elves. They're tier one. You know. Golden Eye and Frommer Ashes say they're nine or ten out of ten for winning. Yeah, they're my team. If you've got a quirky rules pack, I know what episode you should listen to for us. <laughs> it'll, it'll depend. Aye, um, but there are, there are, or sorry, there should always be the option, as we've discussed previously, to take a stunty team, which you yeah. know will always be good fun. And if you're deciding to go to an event for fun, goblins, halflings, ogres, uh, snotlings, I suppose now are the rage. Well, they'll bring you some entertainment. Yeah, I think um, you have to definitely go into the mindset with um, I'm going to have a laugh. I don't really care whether I'm going to win. Um, I might win one out of my three games that day at, at best. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's usually a stunty cup to play for at most tournaments. Uh, so, yeah, you could yeah. even lose all three games. And if there was no stunty team other than yourselves, you're probably still going to walk out in the stunty cup. I mean, that's not unheard of. Uh, <laughs> Another element of the, the players' pack, and this is something that I have seen even experienced tournament players trip up on is that they actually don't know how the event is scored. Yeah. If you if you don't care, if you just want to turn up, have some fun, roll some dice, meet some friends, that's what you'll do. You'll turn up, play your games. Did you win? Great. Did you lose? Ah, well, you know, it doesn't matter. 
if you're actually focused on placing well in the top 10, the top 5, or even winning the event, you actually have to work out how it's scored. Yep. Now, the rookie coaches will be thinking, what do you mean, Golden Eye? You know, if it's 3-1, I've won a game 3-1, isn't that good enough? Well, no, and I think Phil will enjoy explaining why why that is not good enough. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if you've been absolutely smashed on casualties uh, and that's the tiebreaker or the first tiebreaker, uh, then you're going to lose. <laughs> and uh, that does happen. So, <laughs> so yeah. um, it's, it's worthwhile. Even if, I know you said, even um, if you're only going play for fun and stuff like that you may be not so worried about it but uh, we've all been in that situation where we've turned up at a tournament and uh, won our first two games and then thought oh shit I might actually win this uh, so at that point knowing what the tiebreakers are is essential um, yep. so yeah you, you've got you've got to keep your eye on that if you want to, you get some weird tiebreakers um, like where people put in extras for fouling and um, surfing and stuff or whether all casualties are uh, included including failed dodges that sort of stuff so you've got you got to understand what what's of what the main point of that rule says and then there's sometimes uh, an allocation of bonus points yes and you know okay you'll get whatever your lot of points for winning a game Bonus points can be awarded if you get a certain number of touchdowns and a certain number of casualties within a game. Yeah. Usually it's is it three touchdowns and three casualties. Yeah, there's a max cap on it, yeah. So there are bonus points given out, and uh, they're usually for um, touchdowns and casualties, and it's is it three touchdowns and three casualties in cause yeah. in a game? Yeah, usually. And that's that's like a there's a cap put on that, isn't it? Yeah, um, that stops people if they. I, mean, I guess if they played a stunty team each round and won them, and then ca- uh, pitch cleared each round, um, then it's a bit easier for them to uh, sort of jump up the casualty sort of thing. It's true, and it's that little point that rookie coaches should. Be aware of is that if you've got to three casualties, uh, you can know, have maybe have to decide: is it worth, you know, is it worth taking those one dice blocks to try and get more casualties because you don't actually need it to get the bonus point. In the same way that okay, you've um, you know you're winning the game three one. Is it is it worth pushing to get more touchdowns because you're not gonna you're not gonna get any more points for it and you might open yourself to you know your opponent uh, turning you over and making it you know two three or heaven forbid you know might lose pieces while you're trying to score this other touchdown so yeah I think that the only that, caveat to that I guess is uh, another important thing which is knowing what prizes are available at the tournament you're going uh, to as well prizes because uh, prizes points <laughs> make prizes. Uh, so, make prizes. So yeah, I mean there might be a, um, a most cash or uh, most touchdowns uh, prize. At which point, um, it's it, it may be worth you kind of going for those extra casualties. 
uh, if you're still on for it. Uh, so yeah, I I think I, I generally agree with you. Um, taking extra risks just for the sake of it when you don't necessarily need to are probably not the best plan. Uh, but if you're if you're on for the most touchdowns or most cash, then um, have at it. Well, that was quite a big section. Having added by the sentence, read the players pack. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a fundamental. Just fucking read it. <laughs> Do everybody a favour. You, your opponent, uh, the TO, read the rules pack. You know what? You can be a helpful motherfucker and even print it out. Take it with you. Yeah, you could. That usually frightens people. <laughs> it, it might give you, uh, or it might give your opponent the 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 kind of thought that you you might be either ridiculously anally retentive, or um, oh my god, he really knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, yeah, there is the chance that might happen as well. Yep, that is true. Okay, so, after event, read the players' pack, and you understand how the events run, and you never wrote really in the in the show notes, but plan how you're getting there. Yeah, and get that this sounds really simple, but isn't. You can really trip yourself up. You've had. Many a player late because you know they had um, gone how to get there. They had missed the train. There was roadworks that they never knew about, but they could have known about. Uh, or they had arranged a lift with somebody who didn't follow through. Plan how to get there. You know, one of the one of the great things about my time living in Aberdeen was that. Aberdeen to anywhere real is about two hours drive. Yeah, so there was always carpooling um, happening from Aberdeen. So road trips, road trips were big, and uh, everybody tried to rotate whose turn it was driving, um, so that you know everybody else got an opportunity to sit back and do nothing. And that that also adds to the the community and friendship. Of, uh, part, part of an event so <sighs> plan how you get in there rising out of the wall late players yeah I think uh, one of the other things is remembering if you're if you're getting a lift for, from somebody they've probably put a bit of effort into making sure they know where they're going uh, so you should put a bit of effort into making sure that you're awake at the time that they've said you want to be uh, picked up by and that uh, you're where you say you're going to be because uh, they're like they're going out their way generally to pick you up um so yeah bye just uh, so, don't, don't piss off your driver as well <laughs> yeah at two and three in the morning if you're uh, picked up be ready yeah i don't think we've set off in uh that early before i can't remember mm-hmm. No, we we used to be like um, I think we were we, about we, between um, five and six uh, to, when we went to Nottingham. 
about um, that time we drove to Wales? Oh, fuck, yeah. Uh, I don't think it was as early as three. I think it might have been somewhere around about f- between four and five. That was, that was a long. Still- that was a long drive, Al. <laughs> yeah, but who's your co-pilot? Yeah, you. Yeah. I fucking kept it. Kept it right. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is a other podcast. How to be a good fucking co-pilot and exactly. how to be a good driver. Yeah. Um, oh, mate. But let's let's say uh, let's wind on. So. Facts read, you've understood it. You know where you're going, you know how you get there. The night before the event. This is really getting into the depths of the, the do's and uh, don'ts of tournament prep. Yeah. And the night before, never wrote it in the show notes, but I will write, I will say it right now. Try and get a good night's sleep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I myself um, not so much for Blood Bowl tournaments but for other wargaming events I usually find myself painting models the night before because uh, there's always something I'll leave to the last minute um, if at all possible a good night's sleep mate just, just don't go out on the sauce don't go boozing <laughs> I know you're all desperately thinking nah 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 fuck it beer Night before an event, if you're traveling there, night's sleep. Yeah. I mean, if you're driving uh, a bunch of other people, then that, that should go without saying, to be honest, uh, making sure everybody gets there intact. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if you're just going to play yourself, um, um, you're not going to enjoy three uh, mentally taxing games of Blood Bowl um, if you're hungover. For the most part. Exactly. So, night before, you're also going to pack your bag. So, assuming that it's just a, a one-day local event that you're going to, a little checklist. You got your figure case? Yes. Are your models in it? Now, <laughs> I'm going to crack, crack it at some people here, but Open the fucking figure case that you picked up. Yeah. Look to ensure that the actual models that you want to play with are in there. Don't just assume that they are. Look at them and your little fingers on them. Count the numbers. Touch their little horns or something. Are the models you want to use in that figure case? Because <laughs> we all know a story about somebody that's fucked that up. Yep. Yep. Did I say anything about that, Phil? <laughs> no, I've, I've never left models. <laughs> we we all know people <laughs> have. So you've got your models. Um, that's perfect. The yep. bag. Uh, next thing you're looking for are the is your roster. So most tournaments will ask you to have printed your roster out beforehand so that yeah. you can present it to the TO during the check-in process and even a couple of copies so that you can give to your opponent. Uh, as a rookie, rookie coach, you should remember that you know, there's, there's other coaches out there that might not have played your team before. Yeah, absolutely. 
So you've, you've got to give them the opportunity to read through the roster and even sit with the roster in front of them during the game so that they know what your team's doing. You've got to be prepared for that. Um, what else is there, Phil? So, yeah, I'd suggest uh, looking out some dice. Um, I mean, most folk will take the, their own dice. Uh, it is a general rule of thumb that if somebody asks to share dice, then um, the, you, you should let them. But, um, yeah, take your own dice. Don't take fucking tons of them either, because nobody likes that cunt. Like, when they rock up, rock up with, like, 40 dice in a, in a bag and slap that all over the table and then and use a different set of dice every fucking roll that they play, don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil, we, we will not do that. No, I mean, um, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of sets of dice, uh, just because... Like you get superstitious about these things. If you're rolling crap with a set, it's always nice to just get a set, a fresh set out. But I, in this in this aspect, Phil, from from when I pack my bag, I will have two sets of block dice. Yeah, and I will have about six sets of two d six. Um, which I don't use them all at the same time. It's for exactly what you said. It's yeah. the rotation of luck and superstition. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably the same as you for block dice and then maybe two sets of D6. I used to take more, uh, but then you just it's just extra things to carry around. You can I, usually fit a couple of sets in your carry case for your figures. So. I, I like the six sets of two D6 and then a couple of D8s, mm-hmm. D12, and D20 just for... Uh, you know, random random stuff that you might need. A couple. Yeah. I think I've usually even got a D10 as well. Yeah. Oh, and a D4. God knows why. I definitely suggest. Um, you've mentioned rosters already. Um, taking a set of rules with you. Um, you should know roughly uh, what the rules of the game are, but there there will be occasions where it's. Um, people's understanding of wording and rule books, especially around GW's uh, inconsistencies, uh, will require somebody to read something. Um, so, yeah, it's worth having a set of rules. Um, and I'll, I'll Always go to the TO with that, though, if you uh, can't resolve it between you. And that is, um, as you planning ahead for maybe that inexperienced player, uh, you know, who doesn't understand how shadowing works. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd skill that you don't encounter that often. And if yeah. it's your first tournament, you will be that inexperienced player as well. And um, most coaches out there will not be going out of their way to trip you up because you are a new player. But there are the odd one out there that will use that as a a leverage piece and uh, look to set up some monkey shines on that one. Yeah, even if it's just the first time they do something tricky just to get that one-upmanship on you, then they'll educate you on what they've just done. Um, players we're talking about there are so few and far between. Absolutely. They, they do exist out there, so just just be aware. Yeah. We, we love our community. But within every community, there's a you know, tiny minority that aren't actually that nice 
a player to encounter. So um, it was not something we're going to dwell on. No, not at all. It's uh, like you said, it's a, a minority uh, of people there. Um, other essentials: if you've been asked to bring a pitch, take a pitch. If you haven't been asked to bring a pitch, take a pitch, uh, <laughs> just in case. Um, but, um, myself and Phil, when we comment on this, we are as we've been to so many events. There's there's events that give you pitches as prizes, yeah. or you can pay like a, a premium ticket to get more swag. Mm-hmm. You know? we've we've always got pitches. Plus, we are members of. Um, Local leagues and league commissioners organise the the printing of pitches. So we've, I think I've got about nine pitches. Yeah, around the house. I must have about that as well. So um, we are coming from a position of we can just grab, um, you know, a, a roll up pitch or a jigsaw pitch or a fold up pitch, quite easily and take it with us. If you're a new coach or one of our rookie coaches, don't stress about it. No, I think um, it's worth kind of understanding uh, what's in the rules pack, obviously. But um, yeah, if if you don't have a pitch, um, then maybe make that clear to the TO um, and they'll sort something out, I'm sure. Uh, Like most folk are happy and like most people will turn up with a pitch. So you're generally not stuck for stuff, but um, it's always good to have one. Um, but if it's not within your means at that time, yeah, the community will help you out. Absolutely, um, with the expectation in the years to come that you'll do exactly the same. That Definitely, new coach that walks through the door. Um, well, it goes out to say it as well. Yeah, do you, do you say? Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't be a smelly cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to lead into that nicely. It's like right, so we've got models, nice <laughs> roster, rules, pitch. Okay, take care of yourself personally, you smelly buggers. Because yeah. is it about, about blood bowl tournaments? They're the smelliest events on the planet. I uh, full on nerd stank. Um, <laughs> uh, summer tournaments are usually particularly bad <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, you end up with a a room full of anywhere up to a hundred people at likes and half championships. Usually, people have been drinking. Um, Ian Curry's or whatever the night before, the the room's going to stink. So anything you can do to reduce that stink, just go ahead and do it. And a nice can of deodorant will go wonders. Yeah, I um, I will go one one or two steps further. There was a there was a player in Australia who um, whenever he turned up to his gaming table. He had a portable fan with him because it was usually quite a hot event in yeah. Australia. He turned it with a portable fan, you know, a 50-metre extension cable just in case he couldn't reach a PowerPoint and a can of deodorant which he shared with his opponent. And even before they'd shaken hands, he would just say, right, take this, here, share my fan. Okay. So he was just setting the, the, the playing field as going to conduct this game in a order-free, civilised, cool manner. I've never seen it since, but... No, I mean, uh, it just, just goes out saying, really, doesn't it? Just be aware of what, of 
the fact that you're going to be interacting with other people. So, um, any other things? Well, I was going to drop in another silly story about myself, uh, my <laughs> habits, and you, you'll, you'll be expecting <laughs> this one. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I am at an event, uh, like say it's an in-house event, you know, in a hotel or accommodation, which is usually the NAF Championships, after each round, I'll go back to my hotel room and have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I and usually so, your second or third shit of the the last hour. Yes, yes, I, I do usually take about four shits a day um, at a tournament <laughs> for some god knows reason. But no, after round one, uh, it's usually lunch. Yeah, so there's there's plenty of time. Um, I will go back to my hotel room, uh, have a nice. Hot shower, um, wipe, wipe off the stink, and then uh, go back play round two. I am I'm I'm quite a good player in terms of time, so that gives me enough time to go and uh, have a shower after round two, and then after round three, it's straight out to dinner or the pub. So uh, on any given day, uh, sorry, any given event, I'll have three showers in one day, one in the morning. One after round one, one after round two. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I, I you, you've showered uh, usually more than uh, <laughs> than anybody I've known um, yep. would shower the whole weekend by the end of the first day. So uh, um, yeah. I think it's a good way to just make sure you don't smell. Good way to relax. Uh, you know, because sometimes these these things can get quite stressful. You know, yeah, you definitely. In it. And if the aircon's and, not on, stuff like that, you're just going to you sweat anyway. So, yeah, just yeah. be aware of that. And then if I'm really working well, I'll, um, I'll change shirt away during the day. Yeah, speaking of which, if you're going as part of your club or what have you, um, and everybody's said at the start, let's go in our league shirts or, or whatever, um, then... Make sure you've got your league shirt with you, because if everybody else has gone to the effort and you're the other one who hasn't got one um, with them, you're you're going to be the one who looks like a dick. So yeah, yeah I really I really dislike that somebody else stands out, but it looks really cool when you can see a group of guys that have you know, come from a league, uh, and it helps with that talking point, and it helps you identify yourself with other people in the room. Um, you know, the NAF Championships, 200 players. If you're just coming back after having your second shower of the day and you want to catch up with your buddies, you know, you, you've got to know what colour your shirts are so you can find them. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's, it's it's all good. You, you can really kind of... Um, you, you'll work these things out and it's unlikely you'll be part of a, a kind of overly established league Um in every circumstances, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of leagues out there that have got like set team shirts and stuff, and like you said before as well, team events um, where you represent your country as well. Mm. Um, but that's a definite one where you want to make sure you've got your your team shirt. Okay. So that covers the night before and the the morning of. You know, you've gone through your 
checklist and hopefully you've you've arrived safely. Uh, then it's time to go to um, registration. Yeah, the event. Do you want to cover off on this bit? You're. Um... Yeah, so like we said before, like part of knowing where you're going and stuff like that is uh, also buckled in with making sure you get there in plenty of time. If the TO says Reggio opens at nine nine o'clock on the dot, um, try and get there a bit earlier than that if you can. Um, don't be hanging around batting the door down if you can help it. Um, but yeah, getting there in good time, not rocking up two minutes after the round's been drawn. That that sort of thing, you know, just get get it done, get in, get your roster out, show it to the TO, make yourself known, and then have a good wander around the room. Um, if you're meeting mates or what have you, identify where they are, obviously, and find out what the table numbering system is. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll generally find that most most people are pretty sociable at these things. So. Um, Everybody will know other folk, um, so you'll get introduced to a lot of people, and everybody is usually pretty friendly. Yeah, if you're a smoker as well, uh, you'll see the the big group of Blood Bowl players out the front of the venue or behind the venue or whatever the designated smoking area is. Um, I used to smoke quite a lot, and that's where I've met a lot of my. Um, Related friends, you tend to find they're out there miserating at some point. Uh, you know, during a game or after a game, and you just have to stand and listen to them because that's your duty, and they are then duty bound to listen to you. So, and um, that's just another place where you can go and meet people if you're uh, if you're a smoker as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and you'll not struggle for people to chat to. Um, there, there's everybody's there just to have fun as well as uh, the competitive sort of side of it so people are always happy to meet new folk at these things I think but as Phil said rival your registration done early there's no um, you know you're not going to get penalised for being early but what it means is though that you know that you're done the NAF championships and I, I can't remember a bad experience because because I've always gone down early to get my registration done. I've I've seen that queue, you know, 60, 70 people long. Yeah, it's it's not about the uh, uh, the bad experience for you though when you're queuing up for it. I guess that's the knock on effect of everybody kind of waddling in uh, with five minutes to go, and then that holding up the draw of the round, and then. 20 minutes, you're, 20 minutes after you're supposed to start playing, you're still not playing. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to be the person that holds up uh, an entire event or requires a redraw by turning up um, when everybody's kind of written you off. <laughs> so get, get it done. Like, like Al said, um, just, just go in and get that done. Get that done first. Don't mill around the room chatting to people. Go and find the TO, get your registration over and done with, and get the fuck out of their way, and let somebody else go and get their registration sorted out. Exactly. So, <laughs> registration done, 
if everything's yeah. running on time, uh, the draw for the first round will go up. Mm-hmm. So we should have said in between that, usually there'll be a little speech by the, the tournament organisers before the, before the draw goes up. They'll cover off on any housekeeping elements. And even in this modern age, it'll sound so stupid to say it, but you should listen. They're going to cover off on fire escapes. Uh, yeah. They'll tell you where the toilets are, if you haven't found them already. They'll tell you where the smoking area is. Um, if lunch is included, they'll tell you where that is, when it's served, and how it's served. So if it's like a you know, soup and sandwich lunch, the buffet will be you know over there. If it's a bagged lunch, you'll collect them from this station here, the, yeah. whatever, whatever system they've decided to run. Um, so it's important that you listen. We some TOs that love the sound of their own voice, let them have their 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 moment. You know, they've taken a lot of work to to get this event that you've paid to go to. Let them have their five minutes harping on in front of you because uh, once they're done, the event's going to start and they'll get the first round drawn. Uh, yeah, so like, if, if the TO has like got that. a PowerPoint to go through or something like that, just, <laughs> just, just fucking listen to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. If the TO has gone to the... Into the <laughs> if they've gone to the, the bother of putting a PowerPoint presentation together, <laughs> including all the sponsors that have sponsored the event, you can listen to that TO don't make a, any jokes. <laughs> Got that rookie coaches? Same. Anyway, the draw for the first round's up. So, first thing you want to make sure you do is get to your table. And yeah, and you'll know, you'll know where your table is roughly because uh, right back after you've done your registration, you'll have worked out where the table numbering is. So if somebody says you're on table 20, you'll know roughly what end of the, the room that's in. Exactly. And traditionally, first round is a complete Swiss draw. Uh, so whatever table you end up in, you know, it's just a starting point. Yeah. You'll be able to judge how well you're doing in an event by the table number that you're on. So the higher the table number, the worse you're doing, mm-hmm. as the number gets oh sorry that's wrong. As the number gets lower, you're doing better. So table one is the top table. You yes. Table, you know, fifty out of fifty. That's you at the bottom. Yeah, pa- past the first round though. Yeah, past the first round. Yeah. So don't don't be worried about your table positioning in the first round. Um, if you're playing in the bottom. The only way is up. Um, if you win your game, you can quite easily go from table fifty to table two or three uh, in the first after the first round, and then you'll generally naturally find your your way after that. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's usually pretty obvious which way the table numbering's working, though. Exactly. So, oh. Once that's done, you're at the table, uh, about to meet your potentially your first ever double player um, opponent at an event. So, 
it's really just a real shame that the next sort of piece of advice isn't really relevant for right now. But yeah, shake hands and introduce yourself uh, clearly to your opponent. And this is the odd one, you know. You, you'll hear myself and Phil refer to each other by our first names, but also by our NAF names. Introduce yourself with the name that you want that person to use. Oh, that sounds so stupid. Yeah, I've, I've, I've met I've met players. They tell me their NAF name, and it's and it's I can't even remember any of them because <laughs> they're just so stupid. So, you know, like I've I've told we've both told them um, yourselves what where our NAF names come from. Like, yeah, but what's your real name, Phil? Great, Phil. I'm Al. Let's play this game. Yeah, I, I don't generally worry about the NAF names too much until I'm uh, recording the the results. Um, I'll generally introduce myself as Phil um, when I first start chatting to them, um, unless they ask me what my NAF name is, in which case I'll tell them. But uh, yeah, right, I think um, it depends how the uh, the draw has been done as well. Most TOs will draw it by NAF name, so you'll generally find yourself. Um, if the tables haven't been numbered or what have you doing a free-for-all shouting out the room, uh, going, uh, Goldeneye, Goldeneye, who's Goldeneye? Um, that's happened before a couple of times. Uh, so, yeah, I, this is whatever, whatever they prefer to be referred to or what you prefer to be referred to, just run with it. How, how good is it, though? There's been events and they've been calling out players, their matchups. And they get their nap name called, and the whole room just bursts out laughing. <laughs> it's, so, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. And when you hear their name called out, and then you see the actual player, and then that's even more ridiculous. Yes. Because you know, it's like some you know, big heroic name. And even I don't even have an example. So <laughs> But when, when you think about um, Kyle... You get to call right. it Space, Space Gandalf. Uh, yes. You know exactly what you're expecting. Then this little yeah. hairy dwarf arrives. It's like, uh, you're not very, <laughs> not much of a Space Gandalf, are you? Yep. He's uh, usually represented in some sort of tie-dyed shirt and a sweaty leather jacket. Yeah, good uh, It's a good look. I'm sure it, is, it, it works for him. Every player will recognise him from here on in. <laughs> we're, 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 we're getting off, off track a little bit, but it's that, it's that introduction. And the, and the same in your, your personal life. When you're introducing yourself, be nice and clear, be friendly, and introduce yourself with the name that you want them to use. It's, it's the best way to, to open up a relationship because... And just reading through our notes, but we, we, we never wrote that when you sit down to play this game, you're entering into a bit of a social social contract. Yeah. You both made the effort to paint teams, travel there, take the money, and you know, you might have been practicing. So when you sit down in front of your opponent, you owe them a good experience in the same way that they owe you the same. So start to offer a good handshake. Yeah, make make a good first impression. 
like this is this goes back to sort of my pet peeve of somebody rocking up completely guard from the night before, stinking of the booze and, and what have you, and uh, then they sit down opposite you like they can't be arse, um, and you're kind of sitting there thinking, oh, um, oh, I was coming to have a, a good game and have a bit of a like chat with whoever I'm playing against. And, uh, you, you can tell they're not into it for whatever reason, be they the hungover or, or what have you. And, and that, that kind of diminishes the excitement uh, for me, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having fun. Um, go out, have a, have a laugh, but know, but know your limits on that. I like, can remember you're making a first impression. Um, so you don't want your, your opponent who's spent money and time to go there. And like Al said, painted miniatures, whatever. Uh, to feel like you can't be arsed playing them. So that next stage, once that's done, is um, swap swap rosters. Yes, and it's, it's day one, round one, and you know you're swapping rosters. You need to know what you're up against. You see, I'm gonna I'm gonna point something out to the rookie coaches here, and it's something I can remember falling foul of a few times. You've got the nerves, you've got the jitters, you know, if it's excitement or you know it's that maybe intimidation of the event that you're at. Mm-hmm. Or all of a sudden that you the game's essentially started, you're reading your opponent's roster. You're aware that you know the timer started. Um take a breath, just take a moment, breathe it in, breathe out. And then start to read your opponent's roster. Uh, don't make assumptions. Just read it straight through. Read it twice. A bit like when you're reading the player's pack, but you know a little quicker. Don't don't rush. Don't rush into anything. Because uh, once you start rushing, you know one point, you'll rush others. And God, what did I do? I remember my very first game at the, the at Euro Bowl. I was playing humans, and um, my opponent was receiving, and I put my ogre on the line of scrimmage, and he got KO'd in the first turn off the line of scrimmage. I think I was playing playing lizards or something, and it's just because I was I was rushing. I thought. You know, I might play slowly later on and I lost concentration and it was just a stupid mistake. So it's just take your time in that first moment. I don't know if you've experienced anything similar, Phil. Yeah, I've done the same. Like I've uh, um, set up with uh, 10 players when I've uh, I've had 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just um, one, one got uh, um, put into the... Uh, um, reserves um after being surfed uh so i just put him into reserves and uh in the the haste of getting sorted for the next drive uh didn't grab him and just went with what was on the on the pitch and it was only afterwards and i looked over and i could see him uh sitting in the reserves box i i, I noticed so even i mean that wasn't that long ago so even even after um a, a good Whack of tournaments, you can still make mistakes if you um, if you put time pressure on yourself or if you're not paying attention. So yeah, mm. yep. 
Um, I think uh, it's also, I, I think uh, this kind of goes out saying, but uh, have a look at the miniatures that they are putting on, on the pitch when they start setting up. Get yours yeah. out, set them up, have a look at uh, what they've got, and that's the point where you start asking questions um, about what's that one. Uh, is, is that a white or is it a, a ghoul or, or whatever? If it's not clear, ask questions at that point and find out how they've marked their players. I think um, you've maybe heard us mentioning um, loom bands and stuff like that before and uh, skill markers. Um, make sure you take some with you that represent the, the skills that you've got. Um, a packet of loom bands is pennies. Uh, so just choose choose something, stick with a, a theme through it and make it clear to your opponent what that is um, and expect the same off them as well. Um, that's just kind of a basic, uh, a basic one. Yeah, that's, that's all really good advice, um, especially with the miniatures because there's some... Oh, I don't want to get angry at players, but there's some people that when they put their models down, it's like they've just stuck their hand in a this box and collected up whatever crap of the day to play with <laughs> um, really really winds me up um, yeah I mean proxy is fine in, in leagues but um, you want whatever you're at uh, using it at a tournament to be instantly recognisable I've played games of Blood Bowl with um, my opponent has sat down he's used like a second edition Warhammer Fantasy Rank and file beastman with a halberd as yes. as something, and I he had it was on a square base, wasn't painted. There was something else. I think it was some Lord of the Rings wraith or something. There was some. Just looking at his collection of models and like, you just play with scribbled on bits of paper. Easy. Yeah. Well, that, and that's it. You know, I mean, um, folk might um, yeah, but been out of shape about uh, weird teams. Uh, like um, these Lego Man teams and stuff like that, um, but if that team is instantly recognisable as particular positions and it's made clear to you early on in the game, that shouldn't be a massive problem. But if it's just a mishmash of random crap, then that's either being used as, uh, to gain an advantage over your opponent in a duplicitous way, or it shows that you don't really care. Uh, I think <laughs> personally um, we won't get on to whether models should be painted or not because I think uh, both, of, both of us are, are of the same page with that, they probably should be uh, we don't, you don't have to be a good painter uh, just put a three coats uh, three colours of paint on something and put a bit of effort in and that's it it's done that's, that to me is very much part of the social contract um, turning up with painted miniatures, as you said, they don't have to be brilliant, but some effort is um, is welcome. Yeah, and I think at that point, you, uh, all the all for fans, and you get your game going. Yeah, so um, make clear at the start of the game as well. Um, this is an important one, I think, because it, it helps kind of iron out any kind of really small things that can hold up games make clear on what circumstances you are going to um, expect somebody to re-roll a dice so whether it's cocked 
so it's sitting at a funny angle. Um, whether you expect both dice to be rolled again or whether you expect just one to go. Um, make sure that people are clear on that sort of thing. If you're going to be um, consistent with stuff, um, make an understanding between the two of you as to what, what you both expect with that. And and then it solves any arguments later on down the, uh, throughout the game. Um, and you don't have to waste your time getting a tee over to, to adjudicate. Also, simple things like um, how you're going to represent whether something's stunned or not. There's a load of fancy models out there that will not just stay on their fronts or backs. Uh, so make, make it clear to your opponent how you're going to represent whether something's stunned or not. As, as an example, the, the rookie coach is listening when I play. Um, if my miniature is stunned, I will have the bottom of the base face my opponent. Uh, and when the miniature is prone, I will have the bottom of the base facing me. Yes. Um, that's how I operate my miniatures all the time. Um, except if it's a big guy, then I'll use a standard token that says stun or prone. Um, I use those as visual cues. You know, if I can see, I can see the bottom of a base, I should be standing that guy up. Um, that's how I operate, and I make that explicitly clear um, to my opponents beforehand. Yeah, I think and yeah, that's I, important, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure I told you this once. Um, part of the NAF Championships, maybe 2016, a German player complimented me on how tidily I played Blood Bowl. Um, just that when I, with, with the way the, the bottom of the base's face were stun and prone. Whenever uh, I activated a player, I would turn him side on towards me, or sorry, yeah. side on, so that he's the active player. And then when I was finished, I would then turn him to face me. Uh, and, you know, Germans are known for their efficiency and getting that compliment. It was like, oh, wow, thanks very much, as he beat me 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, you touched on some of the support there as well as um, uh, knowing how your models are set up during the your own turn is really important. So keeping track of when how you've made a blitz or or who you've made a blitz with or whatever, um, where they started from, um, get just just getting that sort of clear in your head uh, and being clear about what you're using and who you're doing. Keep that dialogue open with your opponent. Because uh, there will be people who who don't uh, who don't get what you're um, what you're doing uh, with that. Um, yeah. So what what uh, what next, Al? Um, I think in my mind that's that's it. You just proceed through the game. Um, and then I think the next sort of of etiquette you have to work out is the recording of the results yeah i think you want to keep just just to go back a tiny bit i think you want to keep uh, really firm on things like the time so know how much time you're working with yes know, of course know when uh you might be asked to go on a chess clock uh, having a chess clock app on your phone is a really good thing um know when your opponent's playing slow and you're playing fast 
um, just so you can suggest that they might want to go on a chess clock. Uh, don't feel aggrieved if somebody says, can we go on a chess clock? Because they just want to get their game finished as well. You know, it's uh, it's it's worth kind of keeping that in mind. Uh, rattling through a break in the middle. Everybody needs a comfort break. Go for a piss, but don't take the piss. Just get in, get out, go and get a quick uh, beer or drink and then get back to the table and start playing again don't hold people up by buggering about chatting to loads of folk uh when you when there's somebody sitting twiddling their thumbs waiting at the table um but yeah like that that's it uh for game gameplay itself and just general stuff like don't don't be a dick while you're playing uh if you're winning there's nothing nothing great uh, about rubbing your opponent's face in it um no. if you're losing don't mope too much because everybody gets beaten um so just uh just be aware of that uh be aware of who's around you at the time as well you know if you've got kids playing in the tournaments which are are more and more common as uh as time goes on you know especially at things like NAF champs don't swear all the time just have a look around <laughs> if you've got a kid two two people down from you, uh don't be yeah. dropping motherfuckers and sea bombs every time you roll a, a one. Uh yeah, no just, matter no matter how tempted you are. Yeah, and uh and, and be aware that, that everybody who's playing around you is playing a game and they're trying to concentrate as well. You know, I, I know and and it does piss me off a little bit. You do get folk who are really overly excitable uh, when they're playing. And that's great. Nice. That's great. That they love the game that much. Uh, that that's their reaction to it. But at the same time, somebody right next to them is trying to concentrate on their game, and it might be on a knife's edge for them. So you don't mm. want to diminish uh, everybody else's enjoyment of their games just because you are overly excitable about stuff. It's just <laughs> it's, it's just being aware of it. Yeah. Very true. So that that includes smashing your dice cup down uh, <laughs> overly, overly hard. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit more. Um, you know how you control your emotions as well. Yeah, yeah. But just like, like you could nobody's saying be a robot, but uh, at the same time, you know, um, just be aware that there's other people around you at the same time. And I, I think, uh, like you did say, like so towards the end of the game. Uh, about the making sure you're recording stuff. So, so what's uh, what's your feelings on that one? Um, it's just making sure, first of all, it's accurate. Uh, actually, I know that's a lie. Go back. We're supposed to be talking about oh, your TO is a good TO. He'll um, make sure they passed out the score sheet. So, making sure that's there first of all. Mm-hmm. And should be looking at it, identifying it's like okay, so you want to record touchdowns, that's fine. And um, where are the casualties? Your name, your opponent's name, and making sure you get it all in the right area. Yeah, you know, because if you and I have had players um, running up to us and goes, "Oh, sorry, I've, I've recorded something wrong. I got my you know casualties and touchdowns around the wrong way." Again, that just delays people. Yeah, it delays results, and 
And if you've also got, you know, a bit if it's a bigger tournament and uh, you know it's on some sort of app or web-based system, just making sure you're again its accuracy is key. Yeah, definitely. And making sure you submit it pretty much straight away as well. Yeah, there's nothing. Oh, it me out the wall when you, know, you see a game finish and both the players go, oh, fuck, let's go out for a cigarette. Aye. Yeah. Me to Just fill it in, check it with your opponent, take it straight to the TO, or fill it in on the app, check it with your opponent, submit it straight away. Because you don't want to be that guy that uh, the TO has to stand up and say, can table whatever, uh, get their fucking finger out their arse and uh, get their get their results in because you're holding up the draw for the next round. I think, I think the other things that are kind of worth bearing in mind sort of mid-round as well is uh, tidy your stuff up. You're not going to be staying at that fucking table uh, for the entirety of your uh, your time there. So get your models all sorted at the end of your game. Uh, pop them back in the case or whatever quickly. Um, get everything sort of ready so you can just move and be out of somebody else's way when they're coming into that seat. And for fuck's sake, uh, yeah. pick up that fucking rubbish. <laughs> like if you've got like bottles and crisp packets and whatever the fuck else you need to eat during that game go and put it in a fucking bin just just do do everybody a favour and don't leave your shit uh, right on the table uh, for somebody else to clean up yep because um, yeah there is nothing worse than arriving at your assigned table and having somebody else's shit in your way yeah it happens I, all I, the time just move it yeah I mean, I'm quite happy just to move somebody else's stuff out of the way as well um, if it's holding me up. But I'd rather not because uh, just I don't really want to have to do that, you know. And if I move out of the way, I mean, I will be pushing it to the side of the thing and uh, whether it's all there or not, it's none of my business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, look after and your I own guess, stuff. Yeah. Which you should be aware. It's not, it's not so much a security thing. I've never... Actually, there's only one instance of potential theft I've heard at an event. And yet people aren't out to steal your models or stuff, but it is just good etiquette to, you know, keep it tidy, keep yeah. it move. Um, it's more the fact that you end up kind of rushing again and then you only pick up half of what you've got and then you have to come back and say, oh, did I leave my tokens over here or did I leave my... Uh, um, whatever model over here, and then you're interrupting somebody else's pre-game flow. And uh, just get your stuff, get the fuck out of the way, and go and play your other game. You know, be at, at your your own table on time. Uh, that, that, that's in the in kind of the prep stage for uh, for getting to the tail. But I mean, if you've got time to kill, I think there's nothing wrong with chatting to your opponent if they feel like if if. It's reciprocated, you know. Like, obviously, don't try and force a conversation out of them if they've just been given a, a royal butt fucking. But, um, <laughs> uh, but if if you've had a good game and you've struck up a decent rapport with them, which is what you should be aiming for, have a chat with them. And yeah. if you lost, find out 
what you could have done better or what you could have done differently from their opinion. Because uh, you never know who you're playing. You might be, you might end up playing somebody who's regarded as one of the best players in the world. Whatever knowledge that they've got is useful, um, regardless of how arrogant you are about your own uh, ability. Um, it's always good to get a little bit of feedback. Um, but sense the tone. If they don't want to chat, don't push it. It's worth uh, uh, bearing in mind you'll be doing that over a, a number of games. So just repeat the process over and over, however many games you're playing. Yep. I liked um, the last point you had, though, Phil, with the advice is I guess um, I'm not really good at this last part which sounds odd because we podcast about giving people advice on how to yeah. move together. But <laughs> so I just realized why it's like, I'm too busy trying to go and get a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but um, no, the rookie coaches should and do it because every now and then you're going to encounter a really experienced and really knowledgeable player. Yeah, definitely. Happily, happily help you. And I think, this is advice that um, I've given other tournament players for other events that if the tiebreaker is strength of schedule, then you really want all your opponents to do well after yeah. you've played them so that they finish well. So giving your opponents advice on what they should do next game, even just to point out a few key errors that they might have made um, that might help you in the long run. So we we made that joke about our team at the World Cup. You know, we we won our first round. That team finished last. We also played the team that finished second, third, and yeah. like seventh or something. Yeah. You know, so our strength of schedule was still very good, but it was kind of drawn back because you know we played the last place team. Um, so it's a, it's an odd one. Yeah, and giving advice. I think, um, yeah, it's always worth kind of bearing in mind that uh, don't don't give unsolicited advice. Um, like if somebody doesn't ask you for advice um, or ask you for feedback, don't just start wading in with telling them how they did everything wrong or. Or what have you? No, nobody likes uh, a know-it-all or a dick. You know, just just be respectful of that. If somebody actually asks you uh, a question and you're willing to have a chat about it, then go for it. You know, it's like I say, it's always good to talk about these things and get somebody else's perspective. But don't force your opinion on other people. Um, I know that can be hard sometimes because you you might just want to um, be helpful uh, or or what have you. I think we all connect. Yeah, fall foul of that from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's worth bearing that in mind. Some people just don't want to fucking listen to your your bullshit after you've uh, um, pitch cleared them or what have you. So uh, yeah, exactly. think, then, yeah, it's, it's it's then that that point where you just rinse and repeat. Yeah, over your games. Um, so how however many it is on. One or if it's only a one-day tournament, um, just keep going with that, that positive attitude. You know, even if you've lost the first two games, you know, you've still got that social contract for the last game. So make it make it a good one. Yep, definitely. Uh, you'll know 
very early on in a one-day tournament whether you're still in the running for anything um, mm. because it's it's that much of an, a, a nice edge uh, in most circumstances. Uh, but the, that doesn't stop you from having fun. Ultimately, uh, you know, if you're if you're still playing and still having a good laugh with the people that are around you, it doesn't matter if you win all th- all three games or lose all three games. Um, just just make sure you're you're enjoying yourself. Um, so. Yeah, I think uh, if it, if it does run over two days, like uh, stuff that we've mentioned before is is important again. So don't don't turn up late in the second day, like don't don't get absolutely mental drunk. Um, <laughs> don't, don't get mental drunk on your uh, on your night between and and uh, sleep in. Because uh, yeah. there's nothing worse, and I've been on the receiving end of this a couple of times, where day two I'm sitting at my table, and uh, the round has started and is well underway, and I still haven't got my opponent. Both those times that's happened to me, I've I've had somebody come over to me and say, if they're not here in a couple of minutes, uh, it's a concession. And then that's shit because you've kind of fake won a game. Um, but it, unfortunately, that's not actually happened because whoever it is has turned up uh, <laughs> both times. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's already set the game off at a disadvantage for you because you, you're already running behind time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to then turn up and set up all their shit. They're probably hungover, so they're not really thinking straight about getting everything sorted out. That, that's a that's a kind of shitty position to put people in. Either. Yeah, and that's your responsibility not to be that guy. Um, yeah, you know, and as as do what Phil did in terms of how you treat an opponent that that does that. You're firm but fair with them. You know they're only human, um, but they should know better. Thanks. Yeah, but and it's not your opponent's fault if you're a lightweight. You know, <laughs> if you can't hold your drink uh, and are absolutely buckled the day after, uh, then that's not your opponent's fault. You know, they, they're still there to play and stuff. Yep, exactly. Too good. Um, I've thankfully I've only been that guy once. Um, I've turned up really drunk. I'm sure I'm sure I've told the story on this podcast. Uh, it was a Warhammer Forty Thousand tournament. I turned up drunk, really drunk, and my opponent looked at me and handed me like a can of Jack Daniels and Coke because he was also really drunk. And he's like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah, we're both really drunk." Yeah, um, I guess you, you you'll come across sort of circumstances like that where as the day wears on, I guess as well, you, you hmm. maybe had a couple of beers yourself and your opponents had a, a couple and. That's fine, you know. First thing in the morning, though, I think it's a, it's a bit, it's a little bit disrespectful to your opponent. But yeah, I mean, everybody has fun in different ways. But if you turn up late to a game versus me, I will call you a dick. <laughs> and and then we will also talk about you on this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, Th- those people may or may not know who they are, but uh, I judged you for it. So there we go. Um, so <laughs> with with that all being said and done, uh, when it gets to the end of the day, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, you might as well stay for the prize given and cheer on the winners. 
commiserate with the losers and you know find your place um whatever because this is you know it puts a bit of finality to the day there might be a few announcements of um further upcoming events that you might want to get involved in um you know so if it's if it's possible you know you might have travel commitments that force you to get on the road or catch a train or a plane um but i would always recommend staying because because you you want to know who won and who got the most touchdowns and you know yeah i mean applaud applaud them and that's it and there's usually things like raffles and stuff like that a lot tournaments uh, and if you've chipped in for tickets for that you might you might win something out or something like that so it's always worth sticking about uh, even on that level um and i think um with the for the most part whenever we're going somewhere i'll mentioned earlier on it takes ages to get most places from aberdeen in the uk um so we always try and build that into mind uh, when it comes with, to staying for a prize givens and what have you. But there are some circumstances where that just isn't possible. Uh, if you know you've got a seven-hour drive ahead of you or what have you, or uh, if you've got to catch a particular flight because there's no other options, um, then nobody's going to think particularly badly of you for that. But, um, but yeah, if you can, if you can stay do it because it's it's nice it's uh it's like you say it's finality uh for the whole thing cool i think that, that that's pretty that much it? that's it and it's i mean we've probably missed loads of other things uh but and i guess if anybody's got any comments or any points they want to put across uh by all means chuck it in our uh, facebook page and and start that discussion, uh, but yeah, it's something you should be should be enjoying. Everybody should uh, give a tournament a go at least once. Once I think, yes, I agree. It, w- it totally. won't suit everybody, uh, but but most people will enjoy it more than they think they will. I think yeah. they'll take something away from it, even if it's a knowledge of this isn't the thing for me. At least you will know for sure. Yeah, um, what it is. So. Oh, I think we've uh, I think we've covered a lot of the key elements. So, yes, I All think right. uh, I don't think there's anything massive uh, that would kind of change anything that we've said there. I think uh, I guess useful essential items uh, that we've mentioned already: um, pitch, team, blah blah blah. But it's also worth kind of looking at stuff like a dice cup um, and a padded slammer because uh, uh, you also don't want to be that guy who's flinging dice around the table, smashing them off everybody else's nicely painted mod- models. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had that happen to me. So I me, me too. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, it's easy easy to pick up those sorts of things online, you know. Like usually, somebody in your legal have something similar. Uh, you occasionally get them as freebies at tournaments and stuff like that as well. And like I said before, yeah. chess clock apps really useful. And I would say if you're going for a two day or even a um, a single day with a good bit of traveling, um, a USB power bank for your phone is always good. Um, usual kind of stuff with like, I know you you travel with uh, with one of those. I'll I do, yeah. Yeah, that bald water and snacks. Oh, Take yeah. Snacks. Always got Car- plenty of snacks. Car snacks, table snacks. 
<laughs> uh, stuff that you might want to share with your uh, uh, with your opponent. Um, yeah, no, it's just stuff to keep you going. But <laughs> edible rerolls, edible rerolls, short short rerolls. But no, mate. Like I think we've we've done well, and I hope. Yeah. Um, Hoping the rookie coaches and coaches in general listen and uh, you know get that we we do enjoy blood bowl tournaments. Recommend you try it. Have a listen to the well. You've listened to the cast, so you know you know ins and outs of it. Um, give it a go. I know it's not easy to do in 2020, but you know it will happen again for everybody. It'll um, definitely be back with a vengeance uh, next year, I think. Um, so yeah, I keep keep going with. Uh, with looking out for tournaments cropping up near you because obviously this is an international podcast folk listen from all over the place and restrictions and rules are completely different at the moment so um Mm. there will be um, tournaments going on around you potentially so keep keep an eye out for stuff that you can attend and on you go i was just going to say the listeners should keep an eye out on our facebook page and we'll let you know when myself and Phil are going to be doing our um, fumble game. So anybody that's around can log in and watch on. Yeah, I think the other thing yeah, that, that we might be worth adding in this as well is um, because obviously we're we're doing a lot of uh, uh, of a bit of a waiting game until Blood Bowl 2020 uh, turns up. Um, other stuff for us to chat about as well. If you think uh, there's something you want to know more about or um, or you want to hear us discuss, then uh, pop it up on the Facebook page as well, um, mm-hmm. and we'll look into that. Yep. I think on that note, Phil, to sign off. Yeah, that's us. Bye, Bye folks. Thanks, guys, thanks for listening. Heavy metal music. Da 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 da. Kill kill kill. Death death death. Six six six. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Yes. That's all heavy metal music is to me, mate. Totally. That's no, 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 kill, kill, kill. Totally guitar solo.